It's time to pull up a chair and open your Bible for today's Bible study segment of Naomi's Table. Now, here's our teacher, Ruth Christian. Good afternoon, ladies. Here we are again. Going to dive into 1 John, and we've been talking about love. And today we'll be in chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. John has told us to love one another. And soon in verse 15, he's going to tell us that there's something we shouldn't love, and that's love of the world. But here in between, in verses 12 through 14, um, he begins to tell us something which seems to be out of place, but these verses are not. He's addressing all believers that he's writing to, knowing that they are at different levels of spiritual maturity. So in verse 12, he says, I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. What we're, what we're going to see here is the, is the word little children here has more of an emphasis on a child's relationship of dependence on a parent. So he's re, he in, in uh, chapter 2, verse 1, he's referring to all believers. All believers have been born into to God's family through faith in Jesus Christ, and their sins have been forgiven. All of us in God's family are sharing his nature, and this ought to discourage us from being friendly with the world. But what we'll see and when he goes on with verse 13 and verse 14, is that we should move on in maturity. So now he's going to address all believers at three different levels of spiritual maturity. So let's read verse 13. It says, I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, and now here, this is more, again, an emphasis of a child's immaturity and a need for instruction. Okay, not what all believers are, little born ones, (laughs) but um, here he's talking about a level of maturity. So he says, because you have known the Father uh, about the little children. Then verse 14, he says, I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. So again, little children, now in verse 12, is referring to all believers. Different word than verse 13, where we're talking more about a maturity level. Two things are characteristic of little children here in verse 13. He realizes his sins are forgiven. Actually, that's verse 12. But he knows the Father. This is that experiential knowledge that we talked about, um, I think, in the past lesson. While this is an excellent starting point, the child must go on to become a young man or woman. The young man in faith not only knows the Father and knows his sins are forgiven, but now has overcome the wicked one. Verse 13, how? By the word of God. Now, what exactly does that mean? I just quote scripture and bam, I win. It's that easy. I don't have to do anything. 
Well, let's look to Jesus and what he did. In his wilderness temptation, Jesus quoted scripture. But it wasn't the word quoted three times by Jesus that defeated the enemy. It was his submission to it. When Jesus said, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, his implication was, Therefore, I will not turn stones to bread, but will live by God's word. Matthew 4.4 4. When Jesus said, It is written that you shall not tempt the Lord your God, his implication was, Therefore, I will not jump off this pinnacle and tempt my Father to save me. And you can see Matthew 4, verse 7. When Jesus said, It is written that you shall worship the Lord your God, his implication was, Therefore, I won't bow down to you, but will worship my Father exclusively. Matthew 4, verse 10. If we think power lies in merely quoting scripture, we are sorely mistaken. It's not the quoting of, of a verse, but rather submission to the Father that overcomes the enemy. The wicked one flees when he hears a man or a woman say, I don't care what my fleshly tendencies are. Here's what God's word says. And with his help and by his grace, his word is what I choose to follow. The third category of spiritual life is that of fathers or mature ones. Like little children, fathers know their sins are forgiven and understand the nature of their father. Like young men, they've overcome the wicked one by being submitted to the word. And as a result, they have now a simple, singular passion as they have known the Lord, experienced living out God's word, and knowing how the grace of God is so available in all of life in walking with Christ, they have reached the point where to them, their passion is simply this, to know him that is from the beginning, to know Jesus. As you walk with Jesus, spiritual life gets simpler and simpler because the longer you walk with him, the fewer principles there are. You're not trying to learn new things, new commands and directions and exhortations in the Bible. You've already done that, and you see how they play out in your life. You know, the person at this level of spiritual maturity doesn't need as many notebooks full of principles concerning success and relationships, walking your walk, ministry, whatever. You know, I and I and I can relate. I really understand that. Um, I was a note taker, and I've had I have all those notebooks. And uh, but now at this point, after much time in the Lord, it gets simpler. Lord, this is this is the heart of one at this maturity level. Lord, you're my life, not these other things. Our priority is simply Him, being in His will. Our priority is this. This is our heart. Lord, I love being with you. I love talking with you. I just love you. When That's when you know you're reaching the state of spiritual fatherhood or motherhood. 
And the interesting thing about fathers and mothers is that there's reproduction. So whether you're in the office, in the home, on the campus, around the neighborhood, others sense the Lord in you and are inspired to follow in your footsteps. Or at the very least, if they're an unbeliever, they see something in you that they'd like to have. What we have here is the family of God. John knew his letter was going to believers at all spiritual levels. And here in these verses, he commends them all. Why? Overall, they were growing, maturing Christians to whom the world does not appeal. We love God and we love his family. James tells us that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Living out God's word by the power of the Holy Spirit and fellowship are a must or we'll begin to love the world. John is going to deal with that next. No matter what spiritual level you're at, John's letter to little children, to all his little children, to all the born ones, is for you. And the command to love is for you. Of course, we're talking of God's love, agape, the highest love there is, available to us through the Holy Spirit. It's a sacrificial love, a love that treats people the right way, as Jesus would, whether we feel like it or not. It's a love that's others-centered. We're called to love, dear, dear sisters. And in closing, I would encourage you again to go to 1 Corinthians. Read the whole chapter slowly. Ask God if there's someone he wants you to love that you've not been loving. Tell him you love him and you want to keep his commandment and ask him to help you. Then go forward in love, his love. Well, until next time, stay close to Jesus and keep looking up.